Welcome to In the Spotlight. This is a podcast brought to you by the Guild of HR Professionals in association with Lace Partners. Hello and welcome to the HR Guild in the Spotlight podcast. Um, this is a podcast brought to you by the HR Guild in association with Lace Partners. My name is Chris Howard. I am Marketing Director at Lace Partners and today I'm going to be joined by Paul Hucknell from Quilter and also uh, Annette Andrews who's also part of the Guild. Today's podcast, as I said, what we're trying to do with this podcast is really bring together um, senior professionals to share their insights, you know, what they're seeing at the moment and particularly at the time of recording where we are in the midst, we're still in the midst of the global pandemic. I think it's week five, maybe it's week six, maybe it's week 26. I can't even remember. Maybe I've been here for four years and um, life has just been dragging on. But uh, I'm delighted to welcome um, Paul today. Paul, thank you very much for, for spending a bit of time with us. No problem. Good morning, Chris. Hope you're well. Good, Good to see you. Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. So you are master of the guild of HR. I want to find out a little bit about that role. So can you give us a little bit of, of a of an overview as to what you do as the master. I mean, that's a very fancy title, a very grand title. Isn't it? So, so tell me a little bit about your role at the Guild. Thank you. Yes, by, by all means. So so the Guild of HR Professionals, um, as your listeners may know, is um, is part of the, the institution of the City of London and the livery companies of the City of London, which have been in existence for, for many hundreds of years, actually. The Guild of HR Professionals is is one of the newest. We're just over five years old. And um, essentially, those those livery companies, which were originally created to represent and support a particular industry, and ours, ours obviously focused in the HR space, they are governed and run by a court, which is effectively a board, and the the chairman of that board is known as the master. So, so effectively, I'm in the in that sort of chairman role. Uh, what, what's what's very unique actually about these these guilds and livery companies is that the the Positions of leadership are held for 12 months only. So a little bit like the Lord Mayor of London, uh, the master serves for a 12-month period. And uh, succession, being uh, HR, we're all very keen on this. Succession is very well set up. And we have always in place the next three years' worth of masters already in place. So they also serve on the board and they, uh, they, they're already. And in fact, Annette, uh, who is on, is, is our next master. And she will take over uh, later on this year. There you go. So my job is really in that in that capacity is to steer, steer and, and help the board set their priorities. That's essentially the, uh, the role. So you have the power, and soon, and, and uh, within a period of time, you will be handing over the power to Annette, which I will do right now. So, um, Annette, you got any questions or anything you want to bring to you want to ask Paul? Yeah, of course. I, I just think uh, the Guilds are a great example of how succession planning and talent management have been in place for many hundreds of years. It just shows mm. you how it works. Yeah. So, um, Paul, you and I have known one another for quite some time, but it'd be great if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself. To our listeners, your uh, your role currently, and also the business that uh, you're in. Yeah, thank you. Yes, so um, as you say, we've we've known each other for a, for a number of years, haven't we? Worked together in the past uh, through previous crises. So, so my my day job when I'm not the master is um, that I'm the chief people officer, group HR director for Quilter. Um, Quilter is a listed um, wealth management 
company uh, that listed on the London Stock Exchange about two years ago, uh, in the middle of 2018. So we're, we're a FTSE 250, employ about 4,500 people, plus another 3,000 or so uh, advisors in our, in our network. And our company's purpose is to support individuals in the in the in the UK primarily to save for for the long term so we are you know we are all about helping to generate prosperity really for the generations of today and and indeed tomorrow so paul thinking about your role and the current yeah. crisis what have you know how, how has that changed your role and what have been the challenges yeah no it's been it's been a fascinating time hasn't it and um i've been i've been at home for 7 weeks now and uh, it, it, I think the first, the first thing is, and we, we've all felt this that this is this is a this is a public health crisis, and you know it's one in which very sadly people have lost their lives. It's, it's in our in our business um, that has affected some some individuals within our business from a health perspective. So, so the first thing that we were focused on as a business was ensuring the safety and well-being of our people. M- mm-hmm. Most important priority. Everything else, um, from a business perspective, you know, came down the list from that. So, how how quickly were we able to get our people working from home? If they couldn't work from home, or we needed some some people in the office, and that, that has been the case uh, for us, a very very small number. How could we ensure their well being um, and safety in the office? So, social distancing in the office, and and how do we adapt our policies from an HR perspective how do we adapt our policies to support um, this new <clears throat> this new reality <clears throat> and that included you know people having uh, school-aged children at home now needing to balance work and life uh, in, a, in a different way us understanding that actually productivity would be impacted and has been impacted um, and that people might be working in a very or would be working in a very different way to to how they would ordinarily so from that sort of practical side through to supporting leaders and managers to lead their teams in a, in a very different way, it, it really has been a huge effort from the, the HR community, I think, in general. Yeah. So I've got a quick question on that one. How, in your opinion, Paul, how have your leaders and managers responded to that? Has it been uh, to, to, you know, the, the sudden disruption in their lives and not just that but then managing teams remotely where some of them mm. may have been less uh, au fait with the uh, the principles and the engagement side of it have, have they respected that they responded well yeah i would say in general yes i mean it's been a it's been a mixed mixed picture as you'd expect and there are yeah. some people for whom just working from home was a was not a normal thing so for them uh, there's been a been a huge culture change so and and frankly, some of our line managers and, and leaders, of course, they themselves have been dealing with challenges at home, uh, having their children at home, uh, or, or whatever it may be. So they've had to adapt personally and try to lead uh, their teams effectively. But in general, I would say the adoption of the tools that are available, technology being being a very important part of it, has been pretty amazing. I mean, I, I do think you know our, our industry, which is wealth management, has probably moved. Five years in five weeks is the term mm. I use. I need to extend that now because it's been more than five weeks. But the speed of the change has accelerated dramatically. Paul, do you think some of it's been helped by the fact that our leaders are living and breathing it as well at the same time? Um, I know from you, your own experience, you said that you're at home for seven weeks. Mm. Mm. 
they are walking the talk, if you like, as well, and seeing what it, how important it is to have the right technology, et cetera. Yes. Yeah, that's that's right. I mean, I, I think it's it has helped that we've we've all been living it. So we've been testing some of these things in in live in a live situation. And and we've actually learned a lot about what works and, and what doesn't work. You know, I don't, I don't know about you, but I find video meetings with with 10 people on the screen actually is more effective in many ways mm-hmm. than than a face to face meeting. Mm-hmm. Um it's more disciplined. Uh, it's more. Uh, I think it's more effective in terms of the decisions you get to. So, and and there's a there's a real uh, added benefit for me, which is the the sort of humanity, the element of you see people's children come into the room, or you just you're just seeing someone's living room, uh, and there's just an added dimension of understanding the person at the other end of the uh, the other end of the video in a, in a different way so so yeah our leaders have have, have, have struggled uh, as well but i think you know the, the positives to me have been significant so paul one of the things you and i have spoken about recently is inspirational leadership from the top and how important that is particularly and you and i spoke the other day about the human side of all of this and how that's really come to the fore can you share the discussion that you and I had about your CEO and the inspirational leadership he's really brought to the organization during this time? Yeah, absolutely. So so our chief executive, Paul Feeney, who's led this business actually since 2012, so long before we listed. So he's really been responsible for building this, this wealth management uh, business. He is a, is a very, very passionate advocate for all things mental health. And that's 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 been informed by his own his own background, and he he tells his own story, which uh, you know which is sort of widely available. But this this crisis has also been a sort of shone a light on mental health and mental well being. For us, that was an area that we were focused on anyway, because of partly because of Paul's uh, Paul's own focus in that area. But we put together a program of activity called Thrive, uh, which I didn't talk about, um, focused on all all types of well being. But what, the one that really has resonated most with our employees is is the mental uh, the mental health aspect. And Paul Paul himself, through this time through this crisis, has just been able to really tap into a sort of human connection with the with the people that work for us because he's able to really empathize he's a he's a genuinely very empathetic individual who can who understands and can speak to people at a, at a human level and um and he inspires followership for in part for that reason mm. can you tell us a little bit more about what the sort of activities that the thrive entails because i'm not quite I'm quite intrigued by that yeah so so thrive was something we launched uh, in 2018, uh, and it was a, as I say, focused on really four four elements of well-being, or four four quadrants, if you like. So, mental well-being, uh, physical well-being, social and uh, and financial well-being, and we have a uh, a series of activities and sort of focus points in each of those in each of those four. The one that probably has has had the most impact is the one around mental mental well-being, as I say, mm. and there's a series of things that we we put out there for colleagues um, across all four quadrants, actually, such as um, there are online tutorials. There are, uh, so for around financial well-being, for example, there are links to external, uh, externally hosted or provided support services. So around mental well-being, that, that would be true. Similarly, around physical well-being, you know, helping people, giving simply giving people hints and tips around good 
you know well well-being practices but the the thrive activity is is a combination of a of a whole host of resources if you like that that our people can can access together with some um some things that we we initiate and we we sort of push uh for our people so as i say that could be seminars webinars a whole range of range of different activities and and moving forward paul you've talked a lot about the transformation of change that's amazing isn't it sort of five years in five weeks the impact mm. technology's had the, the power of bringing people together. You know, what do you hope is retained moving forward from your business and people? Yeah, it's, it's 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 one of the most important things. I think if we if we learn anything from this crisis, it is uh, not to go back to just the way things were. And we we've started to talk in our business, and I, and I know others have as well, about how do we. Uh, notwithstanding that this is a very difficult public health crisis, um, how do we capture the benefits that we have felt from a flexible working and cultural perspective across our organisations? And you know, there really have been uh, a number, and and that that five five years in five weeks, I use internally to really try to capture people's imagination about what is what is possible. So I think you know I think there are some there are some really practical things actually that we that we th- we need to think about things like office space and how do we use our office space? Frankly, do we mm. need as much office space as we as we used to have? Yeah, uh, we're, we're all thinking about that, but how do we use it differently? We're thinking about how we use flexible working and the technology that is now available to us much more much more effectively. But the you know the one that uh, that we're, we're you know, and we're we're doing a piece of work. We've initiated a piece of work to to look at all of these things and how we can how we can capture and and sustain them. But the one one of the most important cultural ones, which we touched on already, is just that the element of humanity, the 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 knowledge we have of our teams and our people, is greater than it was before. And that's not notwithstanding the fact we haven't seen them in person for weeks or months now. We see them on the video. We we see their children. We talk to them about how they are, and actually that that natural question of how are you? Now, how are you really doing? Are you are you okay? Are your family okay? That's really really come up a lot more. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Do you know what I find absolutely amazing? It's um it's taken. I'll, I'll use a personal experience. I have a group of friends that I went to school with and sixth form with, and. Uh, we've spoken to each other every weekend as a collective on um, GoTo or Zoom. Mm. Every week, every Saturday, we get together and we call it this virtual pub. It's the first time that we've, you know, met up on a regular basis since we were about sixteen or seventeen. And isn't it funny that it's taken this crisis of being locked away from mm. each other to actually mm. force people closer together and and become mm. better at the empathy side? Absolutely, yeah, I couldn't couldn't agree more. And I've I've done similar things myself. So. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's it's fascinating, and and in a work context, it's so beneficial for culture, you know, work, any workplace culture to really understand and have a relationship with the people that you work with um, at a, at a deeper level, and you know, this this has you know, very slightly strangely helped that. For for me, I think I've seen a real change in people recognizing what's important to them both as individuals, families, teams, and, and really they'll want to take that forward, I think, 
going uh, going ahead. Paul, you talked about yeah. some of the policies from a people perspective that, that you know you've been looking at and developing. You've talked about what you put in place. Are you also thinking about what you may need to change in terms of people policies and practices for the future? Yes. Yeah, I think um I mean perhaps the most obvious one is is just around flexible working and um you know one one of my observations uh, and I agree with you people are people are thinking about what's um what's really important uh in in a time like this and and actually I think we we'll, we might see a number of people reassessing you know how is their how is the balance in their life actually working and do they want to do something slightly different and perhaps balance it in a in a different way so so the options around how people work and flexibility agility that's one that for us was we were relatively probably a bit behind the the curve in general and we've now leapt onto the curve and you know need to need to stay ahead of it because you know our people will demand it so in many ways we're just reacting to that demand but but i think that's a that's a big one is is the flexible working and, and agility yeah paul it's been a really insightful discussion. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we uh, leave you to go back to your multiple meetings that I know you have and the demands on you? I think the 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 main message for for all of us. So for, firstly, it's it's to ensure that we are doing the things we need to do to to stay well and keep our families and and keep our families well and follow follow the government advice. And I think we all we all hear that very loud and clear, but. The big takeaway for me is is there have been some real benefits um, from the way that we've had to work and the experiences we've had over the last several weeks and that we'll no doubt continue to have. The, the big item is to capture those benefits and sustain this way of working and this, this new normal uh, into the future. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really, really good point. And far be it for me to do a little lace plug, so I do apologise. But that's one of the things that we talk about in one of our 12-step plans is the, the, the thriving, the new normal side of it is how do you learn the lessons? How can we take some of the practical issues that have, have, have occurred and how can we actually then build on that? Because potentially, if you understand, if you believe what some of the scientists are telling you, you no, know, this isn't going to be a, oh, you know, everyone's at home for a few weeks right. and then we all get on with life and think mm-hmm. in 10 years time, we think, oh, do you remember that few weeks where nobody did anything in terms of, you know, the economy ground to a halt and everyone was stuck at home? This could happen again. So it's about being able to understand when this does happen, What's our kind of break glass in case of emergency approach is what I've uh, mm. I've often been calling it. So I think that's that's certainly fascinating. Learning yeah. the lessons as well. And um, Paul, thank you very much for for taking some time. And thank, thank you for uh, for also being our compare and my fellow uh, interviewer in the hot seat today. Um, if you'd like to uh, listen to this podcast on a more regular basis, you can find it on the HR on the Offensive Stream. Again, it's a sub podcast uh, that we we've set up at Lace Partners in association with the with the HR Guild, we're going to be bringing a variety of different um, senior professionals, respected professionals within the HR industry uh, over the next few weeks. Um, and then hopefully as well, continuing it after uh, the lockdown and when everyone gets back to normal again, and we can start talking about some some of the most more exciting 
perhaps some of the lessons learned. Perhaps we get Paul on uh, again, Annette, in in a couple of months' time. Fingers crossed, a couple of months' time to talk about you know where are you at now? Now that people are returning back to work. Plan. Cool. Well, thank you very much, guys, and um, we will speak to you next time on the um, HR Leadership Insights podcast. Bye bye. Very much. Bye bye.